Thank you. James chapter 1, if you would, please. James chapter 1. I'd like to begin reading at verse 17 and read on down through the end of the chapter. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he begot us us with his word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Therefore, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear Slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Therefore lay apart all filthiness and abundant wickedness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save your souls. But you be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's similar to a man looking at his uh, natural face in a mirror, For he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what manner of man he was. For whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, not being a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seems to be religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unblemished before the world. I want to look this afternoon at the idea of how should we receive the Word of God in our hearts. It's an important concept, I believe, that we can hear the Word of God, And we're told in some passages of Scripture just to hear the Word of God is a blessing, and that is good. We can hear it and understand it, but if we don't apply it, it doesn't make a difference. We begin to be people who know, but we really don't know. And I want to take a look at some basic principles that we have here from James that will help us as we're reading the Word of God, as we're hearing it taught, as we're hearing it preached. And then it will help us too then as we step out to help others and we're teaching them the Word of God that it will make a difference in their lives as we look at it. So let's go back. I want to start at verse, uh, we read through the first part because I think it gives Uh, context for us to work from but in verse 21 the first thing that we notice about receiving the word of God into our hearts says that we are to lay apart all filthiness and abundant wickedness lay apart all of our sin laying apart the idea there is that you're casting it off That it's not something that's going to be a part of you, but you're putting it out of your life. Now think about the action that's required. That is an active thing that you're doing. That you are laying apart. That you are casting it off. It is something that doesn't just happen. 
It is an action that you are taking because you recognize that there's something there that needs to be dealt with. We're talking about casting off, getting rid of all filthiness. That word filthiness has the same root concept as wax in your ears. Now think about it. We all have wax in our ears. And you've heard the doctor say, don't put the Q-tips in your ears. You're going to puncture your eardrum. You're going to pack that wax in there so deep it's going to be hard. Wax can be a problem. I, I know personally. I remember waking up one day in Brazil, and I said to my wife, I can't hear. This ear, I can't hear anything in this ear. I tell you what, it was a scary feeling. What did I do? What happened? I cannot hear anything. She tried to talk. I said, I can't hear you in that ear. We called the doctor. Went in, we saw the doctor, and he took a little look into my ear, and he says, I think we can resolve that. All right. He says, you just sit here. I was on the examining table. He said, the nurse will be right back. And she came in, and she had a bowl of warm water, and she had a syringe this huge. It seemed that way to me. But she drew the water into that syringe, and she started pumping it into my ear. And then she'd draw some more, and she'd pump it into my ear, holding a basin underneath to catch it all. And then one time she did it, and I felt a pop in my ear. And she says, there's the problem. I had a chunk of wax the size of a dime. As thick as a marble, it seemed like. It was a big chunk. It was bad news. It came out, and I could hear it again. The wax was in the way. I couldn't hear because there was a wax buildup. And I go in for my annual physical, and the doctor looks in, and he says, you know, that wax problem is still there. I know. I'm supposed to get out the stuff and put it in my ear and rinse it out. He says, yeah. He says, that way you won't have this problem every year. So I'm working on it, but I'm not so good about doing it. But, you know, I think about that, and I realize the <laughs> same thing happens in our spiritual lives. Because we start getting a buildup of the filthiness. All sin is filthiness. And that buildup starts getting there. And what happens? We become dull in our hearing. And we don't hear what God has to say to us from his word. And we need to clean it out. How do we get rid of the sin? we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive we have to confess it we have to realize there is sin if you're a believer in jesus christ your sins are forgiven and you have a home in heaven yes but if you haven't noticed you still have a sin nature and you still have that tendency to want to do the things that are not right. And when that happens, it's like wax building up in your ear. And the things of God, you're not hearing as clearly as you used to. And you've got to clean it out. That's where the process of recognizing our sin and confessing it to God 
and he forgives us and that cleans out that filthiness lay apart cast off the filthiness and what else cast off find the verse here it is the abundant wickedness A bad grammar way of describing that is a superabundance of badness. I say it that way because it catches our, our ear. Huh, I've never heard it that way before. A superabundance of badness. If we're not careful, the habits that we create in our lives are going to take us down the wrong path and allow us to begin to do the things that are not going to lead us in the way of righteousness they're not going to allow us to follow the way that god wants for us and we're going to allow a buildup of leftover sins if i could put it that way you see we may think that we're being careful we may think that we have everything going in the right direction but if we don't stop and examine ourselves and ask God to look carefully into our hearts and teach us from his word what is right and what is wrong and help us to get it right. We're not going to be as sharp spiritually as we need to be. And if we're not sharp spiritually, the word of God is not going to penetrate the way it needs to. And so we need to have the repentance, uh, repentant attitude in our hearts a lot of times, we may think that things are going okay, but then we realize, you know what? Something just isn't right. Something isn't adding up. And then we realize, there's a wax buildup. There's some leftover sins that I haven't dealt with. And that is preventing me from being able to receive the word of God in a way that's going to make a difference for me. So I challenge you today, first of all, Examine yourselves. Look into your hearts. Consider what might be there that you hadn't paid attention to for a while. And allow God to work in your life to bring about the change that's needed to put you in the direction that he wants to go. It's going on in verse 21. It says, and receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save your souls. Receiving with meekness. The idea there is that it's a readiness, a compliance, a submissiveness. That you're willing to accept what's being taught to you. Sometimes we are hearing things and we're reading things and... Really? I don't like it. The problem is, it doesn't matter whether we like it or not. It's what we have to accept. Because it's God's word. We have four girls. And I thank God for our four girls. I think it's God's demonstration of his sense of humor. I grew up in a family of all boys. I did not have sisters. In fact, on my dad's side of the family, of the uh, 17 grandchildren, the oldest is a girl, the youngest is a girl, and everybody in between is a boy. 
So even when the family got together, it was all boys. The girls were outnumbered. We decided at the last minute, you know, we better have a girl's name just in case. We never used the boy's name. But with four girls, there were things that they had to be told that they didn't like. I remember my mom and dad told me things I didn't like. But you know what? I had to do it. And they had to do it. There were times they didn't understand. Dad, this doesn't make any sense. I know. Just do it. But you know what? God asks us to do things sometimes that we just don't understand. Why? Because I may be personal. Pastor Jay went home to be with the Lord. That was something that you didn't expect. You wouldn't have chosen. Still wouldn't have chosen, I don't think. But you were able to say, all right, Lord, it's your will and I accept it. But it still was a struggle. When our daughter had cancer, why? My wife said, I'm glad you said what you did this morning because it's helping me right now, my wife speaking. We have another daughter who goes on to, uh, tomorrow to the doctor or Tuesday, this week. They think she has ovarian cancer. Well, we've been through it before. And God was faithful then, and he'll be faithful now. Do I have to like it? I don't think Scripture says we always have to like it. But Scripture does say we have to be obedient. And when we're obedient, God brings our hearts into line with his heart so that we're able to do it. The point is that we are to receive with readiness, submissiveness, even obedience without fully understanding to be able to do what has to be done. It was 2001. I had been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. I was 40 years old. And all the doctors said, you are too young to have this. I said, then why do I have it? And they'd laugh and say, I don't know, you just do. And we got to treat it. Only the doctors in Brazil said, mm -mm, we're not going to treat it down here. You're going to go back to the States and get it done wonderful and so we made our plans to make the trip tickets were purchased everything was all set and our girls came we before we purchased the tickets the girls came to us and said dad we don't want to go with you what do you mean you don't want to go with us we don't want to go with you we're going to miss school for that whole period of time, and then we'll have to make it up over what would be our Christmas break when all our friends are having Christmas break, and we don't want to give that up. We want to stay here in Brazil. Let me think about it. Do you know how hard that is? Uh, one daughter was, what, uh, 17? And the next one was 14, soon to be 15. Another one was 13, the youngest was 10, and we were, 
So we talked to our missionary colleagues, and they said, we can take care of them. There's no reason they have to go with you. What are they going to do when they get there? I said, sit around and be bored the whole time. Mm-hmm. Leave them here. They'll be fine. And we're thinking, our youngest, nine, ten years old, how is she going to handle this? And one of the missionaries went to her and said, Jessica, what do you think about staying here while mom and dad go back to the States? I don't know that I'm going to like it, but I think it's God's will, and so I need to do what God wants and not what I want. I'll stay. Blew my mind. At that age, she'd already learned that principle. After we were gone for longer than we expected because of complications, and then my wife had to have gallbladder surgery on top of that, um, she was getting homesick. But other than that, they did fine. In fact, they were having dinner parties for the other missionaries at our house while we were gone. They'd fix the food, invite them over, they'd have a regular party and clean up afterwards. And I thought, man, they don't even need us anymore. Uh, we had one of our daughters told us later, said, oh, Dad, we need you. We need your money. So... <laughs> What I'm saying is there's things in life that we don't understand. But if we're willing to submit and willing to obey, God will bless. And I think God grew our girls up in ways that we never would have seen happen had we stayed together as a family the whole time. It was good for us and for them. We learn to receive with meekness, a readiness, a compliance. And it becomes fixed in us that the engrafted word becomes a part of us. You understand the principle of grafting? It's an agricultural thing. Where you take a, a, a twig and you cut a little notch in it and you put another twig and you wrap the two together and they grow and produce a different variety than what you had originally because they're grafted together. You take the word of God. And it becomes engrafted in your soul. And the word of God works in your heart. It changes you. And you become a totally different person than what you were before. You allow the word of God to work in your heart to make you a different person. That's the plan of God. The more you embrace the truth, the greater its hold is on you. And the greater your yield of fruit will be for his glory. There are elements, humanly speaking, that we don't like. But God's way is always the best way. And so we trust him for that. Going on to verse 22, we look at the responsiveness that we have to it, that we are to be doers of the word, not hearers only, or else we're going to be deceiving ourselves. Doers of the word and not hearers only. If you're here today... And all you're doing is hearing the words that are said and you walk out of here and you don't consider them anymore. There would be some benefit, yes, but you're wasting your time. Because the word of God ought to make a difference for you today. Not because I'm saying it, because it's the word of God. 
And so we need to learn to be doers of the word. And then we got the example of a man. Goes in front of the mirror. Now, there are some people who don't bother with the mirror. They just get up, kind of fluff their hair, try to make themselves look good, at least what they think looks good, and they're out the door, and who cares what they look like? But most of us get in front of the mirror, and we want to make sure that everything is just right. I mean, I don't have a lot left on top, but what I've got left on top, I want to make sure is looking decent. It's not just all over the place, okay? I want to make sure that my tie is fairly straight, not all the way over to the side. I want to make sure I, I, I look good, at least to me. The problem is, I go to that mirror, I check myself out, I think I'm looking pretty good, I walk away and, wait a minute, is my tie straight? You go back and you check again, why? I can't remember. I may have checked it, but I forgot. That's the way we are. We go, we do, we come back. Why? Because it's easy to forget what we're seeing. And the comparison is made here, and it says, if a man is a uh, hearer and not a doer, he's like a man looking in the mirror and goes his way and forgets what he looks like. But if we are doing and we're looking into the perfect law of liberty, if we're looking into the word of God, it's going to make a difference. It's not like the beholding, the casual glance. I saw, I looked away, I'm done. But rather, it's a looking into, it's a careful inspection. I am going to make sure that things are done the right way. I am going to Ah, that smudge is gone. And I'm going to check it out carefully. I'm going to make sure I look good. Why? Because I want to make sure that everything is just right. My wife likes to look nice, and I like her to look nice. But a lot of times she'll come to me and say, I can't see. And she'll turn around and say, is there a hole in the back? She wants to make sure that her hair is laying the right way. I see a lot of men nodding their heads. You understand. Why? Because it has to be right. And there's nothing wrong with that. That she's looking into it with an extra set of eyes to make sure everything looks good. Why? Because that's important. The principle here is that I am allowing the word of God to be something that stays with me. I am going to look into it. I am going to put myself into it. I am going to study it. I'm not going to just read it casually and let it go. That's why I'm not telling you how to do your uh, personal devotions, but I'm going to tell you some things that might help. That's why it's important not just to pick a chapter. I'm going to read this chapter today. da 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 Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. Boom, I'm out the door. Scripture says that we should meditate on the word of God. That means we allow it to be in our minds and we're thinking about it. 
Sometimes that means I might not get more than a verse in because God has taken that verse and he's really grabbed my attention. And I want to start looking and understanding those words and getting a better feel for what that really means. And then what difference is that going to make in my life? I need to let the word of God change me. Spend the time. I could just read it and I could think about it. But you know what helps me more than that? When I take out my pen and I get it out on a piece of paper and I start writing it out. And all of a sudden, oh, I remember, and then I'll flip back to another passage. Yeah. And I start comparing passages with passages, and all of a sudden things begin coming together. I know. I, I, I studied in college for the ministry a long time ago. It was in the last millennium. But there are so many things in the Word of God I'm still learning. And I'm still spending time. And I'm still getting it to apply in my life. The point is, we're going to take the time to apply it to make a difference. And so, how do we receive the Word of God? Three basic things. One, with repentance. Putting aside the sin that's in the way. Two, with readiness. I am willing to hear what God has to say to me, and I'm willing to obey what he says. And number three, with responsiveness. I'm going to answer the things that he has given me. I am going to say, Lord, I've learned that lesson. I'm going to put it into practice. Now, I'll warn you. You tell the Lord, I think I've learned that lesson. I'm going to put it into practice. He's going to give you that opportunity. And you're going to have to be able to show, I, I'm learning. <laughs> Boy, this is hard. Because some lessons are hard. But it's good for us. The Word of God dwelling in our hearts will make us to be what God wants us to be. And I want to encourage you folks that you would take the Word of God and let it change you and move you to be what God wants because that will make a difference for this church and as this church is able to apply it in their lives as a whole it will make a difference for this community trusting God to open doors for you folks here as you allow the word of God to work in your hearts Father help us today to put your word into practice in our hearts may you Lord teach us and use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.